डियर लिसनर्स साईराम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफ्टरनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साईज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम यू कैन एन्जॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम द टॉपिक ऑफ टूडेज एपिसोड इज सत्यम शिवम सुंदरम the life story of bhagwan shri satya sai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on april 4th 2013 sairam dear listeners and this is arvind here from team radio sai welcoming you to another segment of afternoon satsang and as always i am joined by brother prem and both of us offer our most humble salutations at the lotus feet of our beloved lord sai well it is no coincidence last week we had started off on an adventure if i can say so it was an adventure where we decided to go through the life story his story of our dear beloved bhagwan baba and we had reached a point in the story where swami little satya was being called as the guru by all his classmates and his friends sairam prem sairam arvind and coming back to satyam shivam sundaram dear listeners we uh, started last week by discussion but here we are in the consecutive week talking about the second part of satyam shivam sundaram the feedback we got was overwhelming to say the least really prem i remember one feedback where the listener said that when you started off with the topic i heard it and i thought oh no why this topic because you know there are a lot of books on this we have seen it we have heard it so many times but then the listener went on to say that as the story unfolded it brought so many new insights and it drenched me in sai's love the listener also said that it was a divine thursday nectar do whatever you want but please do not deny me this thursday nectar and dear listener that that mail gave us so much encouragement it was as if swami himself was reinforcing our decision saying that what you decided is right because all said and done my life is my message and there was another feedback which said that you know why don't you continue only this and all the insights which you would like to bring in you can bring it as part of the story instead of having separate sessions with uh, unique themes on swami's message i think all of swami's message will come out even as we go through swami's life even as we are going back and reading satyam shivam sundaram and literally getting lost in it there are so many messages in that and swami was giving out messages you know in every instant every instant swami was trying to tell something and the more deeper you look into it the more you you know uh, muse over it there's so many more messages which come come in our mind and i think today as we go through swami's childhood the paths which follow i think we will try to highlight some of those incidences which swami uh, not only revealed his divinity that he was doing all through but you know the message which swami was giving it was difficult to expect that from a boy of 7 years of age 5 years of age but all through the message which swami was giving and as you mentioned swami was being referred to as guru correct because that was the kind of uh, you know the place which swami took naturally among his peers was that of a guru exactly and prem one thing you will notice is that 
दो सत्या लिटिल सत्या डिड एक्स्ट्रॉर्डनरी थिंग्स एंड अमेजिंग थिंग्स एंड ऑलवेज यू नो नॉट ओनली इन टर्म्स ऑफ द मेरेकल्स एंड मैनिफेस्टेशन नॉट ओनली इन टर्म्स ऑफ टीचिंग्स बट ही डिड ऑल ऑफ दीज पासिंग थ्रू द सेम काइंड ऑफ स्टेजेस दैट यू नो एनी वन गोज थ्रू यू नो स्कूलिंग बींग एन आइडियल सन बींग एन आइडियल ब्रदर बींग एन आइडियल फ्रेंड बींग एन आइडियल टीचर एंड ही सेट आइडियल्स फॉर एवरीथिंग यू नो दे ऑफन से दैट वेन इट कम्स टू रामावतार फॉलो द एक्शंस दैट रामा डिड ओके बिकॉज रामा विग्रवान धर्मा ही वॉज एन एम्बॉडीमेंट ऑफ धर्मा ही इज नोन एज द परफेक्ट ह्यूमन ही इज कॉल्ड दैट वे and therefore they say follow the actions of rama but when it comes to krishna they say follow the teachings of krishna okay because as a child there are some things that nobody can ever imagine doing what krishna did because it's just not possible so do all that rama did and do all that krishna said but i think in swami's case we can say that we should do what swami did and do what he said to that unique combination of rama and krishna we find in our little not little satya i mean he was little in in terms of uh, the stature but in terms of his nature and his glory there is nothing that can measure it at all so he went through everything for example did you know that a certain pt krishnamachari he had the great good fortune great blessing god knows the benefit of the goodness of how many lifetimes he had the chance of doing akshara abhyasa for little satya <laughs> you know akshara abhyasa is the first time when you initiate a child into the alphabet alphabet and so little satya was initiated by pt krishnamachari and as swami says during those days there were no slates on which they would write and learn so he learned his alphabet by writing on the sand right there was one instance where again he showed that he is a guru because his grasp was so good he grasped all this so quickly that he used to teach the other boys how to learn to write the alphabets so it would all be held uh, like an open classroom on a ground filled with you know with the sands where satya would write on the sands and others too would write on the sands and practice and that's how academically he became a guru for all of them because he was the brilliant most brilliant student in the class teaching all of them how to learn the alphabet even when he joined the elementary school in puttaparthi even as you were saying that you know swami went through the regular process of childhood hmm. you know in one point kasturi writes in satyam shamsundaram that there's a the teacher of uh, swami by name subarnachari Okay, and subhanachar and he says that he has written a book hmm. in which he describes swami's childhood he says swami was a well behaved boy and unostentatious that's the word he uses hmm. and kasturi refers to that word again in the following paragraph and says how difficult it would have been for the lord of the cosmos to be unostentatious exactly. <laughs> to hold back his powers to hold back his glory in those childhood days you know when we look at swami's life we say hardships we say a simple life but for swami it was no different because swami i think as god he would have identified with every village child of that period with whatever difficulties they went through we are looking at as you know in the lord at whose feet mother lakshmi sits that's Correct. how the lord is described and here he is born in a very very humble household and where he is one among 20 children and among that he was not a grabbing child he was a child who was readily giving away whatever the other children wanted see when you are talking about you know unostentatious i am reminded of you know one example that swami used to give 
in his discourses swami says that if the avatar had come down to the earth like the great lord mahavishnu you know with all the four arms the shankha chakra gadadhari you know in that form swami says that you would have put me in a museum and maybe collected a rupee for you know darshan <laughs> like some i would have been a curio something that satisfies people's curiosity but the avatar always comes to feel kinship and you know swami used to sing that famous padyam ananda balude ananda balude what a beautiful pun on the word you know ananda balude that child of nanda ananda balude as the child of bliss has come again to mingle with his you know his bantus so the main purpose of the avatar's descent is to give joy through kinship so that everybody enjoys the relationship and in order to make that possible the lord so naturally takes on all the limitations of humans i mean it is if we look at it if i have to stay like a beggar among beggars that would be so tough for me because i am used to a certain kind of life yes it is tough to go to the higher life also you know if suddenly i am exposed to a very lavish lifestyle i may not be able to you know match up there recognizing that swami comes down and that's why he says with a child i am a child with a woman i am a woman with a man i am a man with a poor person i am a poor person he just comes down or whatever goes to the level at which the people are so that everybody feels kinship and says hey you know what swami you know he's just like me only here he's just like me swami is just like me i can feel with him and that is when they are able to feel friendship with him and that is why though all the children called him guru adored him as a guru because he did astounding things spellbinding things they still felt that love and kinship with him because he was their dear satya so beautifully swami used to say that don't walk ahead of me i will not follow you don't walk behind me i will not lead you but walk beside me let's be friends that was the very life swami was leading with these young boys and as you said you know swami had to stand out at the same time stand amongst them wow you know yes so mm. swami started doing this thing of pulling out things from an empty bag that was one of the earliest things which swami did and mm. uh, swami would say that you know even as discourse later swami had told those boys that there is an angel swami used to refer to satyam actually the village deity Hmm. and swami would say that she gives me whatever i ask for uh, satyamma is that satyabhama that we discussed which right? we discussed right the temple built by kondama raju right hmm. so swami would say that you know uh, whatever i ask satyamma she gives me she puts in this bags and i i pull it out of the bag and give it to you hmm. and swami would ask the kids what do you want and somebody would say a peppermint and somebody would say a pencil somebody would say a book and swami would pull out and swami would tell them that but mind it don't go home and share this with your elders because if you tell anybody this would stop Hmm. So Swami says for many years even when Swami was a small kid maybe a 4 or 5 years old Swami would do this but none of the children had shared this with the elders in their family it was like their own little right. secret <laughs> when you narrate this prem you know what i feel i feel here was the lord of the universe and he is asking what do you want he is holding one empty bag there and he says what do you want ask and i shall give it to you and you know what the children ask they say give us a pencil give us peppermints i feel like you know almost laughing at them saying why couldn't you ask for something grand but before i laugh prem you know it almost comes like a slap on my face thinking that is this not what i'm doing with my lord even today it might look like a small jolly and a useless kind of bag 
but that bag can produce everything because it's in the hands of the lord and when the lord asks me what is it that you want i ask my own equivalent of pencils and peppermints that is one more statement that swami always says that in the beginning i give you all that you want so that one day you know that is the hope that the lord expresses so that one day you will ask me for what i have come to give actually what that empty hand holds is everything and let us you know when we have this chance when we have realized who swami is in our prayers in our request to him let us let us not ask for pencils and peppermints because he is the kalpavriksha and in, in fact talking of kalpavriksha the kalpavriksha still stands that tamrin tree on the hillock you know where swami used to take all these kids you know mm. these things which swami used to do was not only to reveal his divinity because swami wanted to capture the attention of these youngsters you know these little children mm. swami wanted to draw them to goodness that was the goal which swami used to tell even in the later discourses i didn't do this to show my powers off i wanted to draw them to the good path and to do that you need to stand out correct and swami would you know drag these boys early in the morning make them have a bath in the river and, so, and swami would say those days the people of the village used to wake up at 7 o'clock okay but swami had you know through all these uh, little uh, you know trinkets had you know mesmerized, uh, mesmerized the, the kids to hmm. get up early in the morning have a early morning bath you know, he had held such a sway over their minds that whatever he said they would do right because this was satyam satyam that's what they used to call him satyam was somebody who could do anything right. and so we'll do anything for him and swami used to take these kids after bath to that kalpavriksham swami used to sit on a branch and swami would ask the kids who, was, who used to you know stand around uh, in the ground swami say what fruit do you want hmm. and swami would pluck whatever fruit they wanted from that tamarind tree from a tamarind tree <laughs> you know prem i remember seeing a photograph that my uncle had taken mm-hmm. in the 1960s okay. yes of course it's much much uh, later than what we are talking now it's at least about 30 years after the period that we are talking about mm-hmm. but even in a photograph in 1960s if you have a look the whole hill is bare <laughs> there's only one single tree standing on that hill and that is the kalpavriksha and the photograph that my uncle has taken you know you can see the chitravati flowing there's a hill and then there is this kalpavriksha on top of it the kalpavriksha's reflection you can see in the chitravati waters that photo is so beautiful for me because when i see that photo i remember the episode that swami narrates you know he says they would all be down you know and swami would challenge them and say let's see let's have a running race who can get to the top of the hill first <laughs> you know and as i said the whole hill was barren bare except for this one tamarind tree on the top and so if from anywhere from any side you know from the river it's a single goal to the top the top is only one you can start off from any base all the boys would start running and suddenly they'll see that satyam is no longer with them so they used to often think that after all satyam was so tiny and swami so sweetly so cutely <laughs> in his discourse you know so cute that is swami says see now only i'm so sorry imagine how small i was then swami says <laughs> then you know we used to burst out laughing in the middle of the discourse when swami used to say that and and swami said yeah so all his friends would think that satya is gone he is left back he is lagging behind and they would think that it serves him right you know he thinks that he'll have a race so they huff and puff and it's 
quite a steep climb you know even today the kalpavriksha is there if there are about 250 to 300 steps leading to the kalpavriksha so even if you normally climb it's so tiring imagine those days it was not on steps it was directly the hill hmm. and they reach on top they are tired they are huffing and puffing and they look back and satya is nowhere to be seen and then he calls out hey i'm here and they see sitting on one of the top branches of the tree is their satyam <laughs> and they have no idea you know they used to think he is cheating he is using those special powers but instantly you know all that angst that they had that you know satyam cheated he did some divine some magic he has done and reached off he didn't run all that would vanish because as you said swami would ask what do you want you want a mango take here's a mango for you you want an apple take here's an apple for you any fruit that the children asked for he would pluck from the branches of that tamarind tree and give it to them see these are all documented events from swami's childhood Hmm. when it is said that swami did this swami did that but i'm sure that in those years when swami spent with these swami would say about 10 boys 10 or 12 boys hmm. they were always swami's playmates you know swami must have done so many other things which never surfaced and which we never came to know and swami right. didn't care that we know or not really Because that it was is not hmm. it was not done for the world to know at all you know i'm reminded of something which somebody told me that you know they were going for a morning walk and you know for some reason he just craned his neck and you know looked inside a branch and looked beyond a certain you know twig and he found a very very beautiful flower okay and he shared this thought with me he said see god has created such a beautiful flower but mm-hmm. he has kept it so away from maybe it would bloom and it would fade away even without anybody noticing but that does not matter to god he still makes it perfect hmm so when god does something it is perfection for perfection sake it's not because somebody is going to come and see it and enjoy it somebody is going to come by and see it and learn something from it that also is there but there might be so many events which would have happened in that childhood which swami just did it for those people who were there and as you rightly put it prem when things are done perfectly for perfection sake the other things are automatically taken care of i mean if you think that people are going to see so they'll be learning they'll be observing and therefore we have to be perfect the minute you are perfect every other things are automatically taken off people will uh, taken care of i mean because people will observe and they will learn because it is perfection you know this kalpavriksha i think you should even narrate that you know you, you told me about that that boy who used to have a soft corner for swami right uh, you know swami very beautifully narrates that incident these 12 boys used to always be running around and swami used to say that they used to run all over the place they used to go and uh, another thing swami mentions in, in a discourse is that those days the satyabhama temple was the perimeter of the uh, you know the border of the village even today it's almost like the border right the village has grown mm-hmm. for about maybe half a kilometer beyond that no earlier the village used to be on the other side of satyabhama temple oh correct Yes, yes. Right, yes. you know where the Shivalayam right now stands, where Swami's birthplace is, Swami's so, home. So all the uh, places that we know as modern Puttaparthi did not exist during those days. Right. And a Puttaparthi that we rarely visit on any of our trips to Puttaparthi is the actual Puttaparthi right. village. Right, it's actually beyond the Satyabhama and the Gopal Swami Temple. Okay. When you go into that lane where you see Swami's, uh, you know, birthplace, birthplace, the Shivalayam, which stands now. and then if you go a little further that the where the mosque is now those were the places where actually the puttaparthi was so dear listeners next time you visit puttaparthi maybe you should take a cycle rickshaw or even you can walk you know if you are able to it's about just 2 to 3 kilometers visit swami's birthplace and after that just take a walk around to see you know the village has grown modern but even in its modernity you can see how old the village is 
you can just imagine how that village would have been about 90 years back right and in and fact even as late as you know 3 years ago the another house which was standing beside swami's residence hmm we're going to speak about that person very very noble and pious soul correct in karnam's house karnam subamma her hmm. house used to be there and even when we were students when we used to visit the shivalayam they used to show us that window and say that this was the window through which subamma used to feed swami when he was a little child as i was telling you just a couple of years back it was you know demolished and another building is coming up there one okay. piece of history is gone right. forever and swami also was like that you know when swami's house was crumbling and mm. they came and told swami this house is the idea of informing swami was that swami would tell them to restore it mm. and swami just said yeah remove it and build a temple there for swami it was it never mattered because the swami was uh. come to teach us that you and i are not the body and you he know, would that, give that less de- he has been ruthless that way for example i remember even in brindavan you know everybody all the people who were there from the beginning of brindavan the whitefield ashram when right. it was began brindavan was epitomized by that tree and the beautiful krishna statue there exactly and when they told swami that devotees are increasing in number what we should do it seemed almost heartless and cold swami just said cut the tree and build the hall <laughs> you know every devotee's heart was pained but that is the kind of detachment that swami had you know he never felt that this should be there because i'm attached nothing it is for the devotees his attachment is only to love and in order to share that love and spread the love to as many as possible anything that needs to be done he will do and you know arvind talking of less known incidents in swami's childhood i didn't want to narrate this incident uh-huh. but i don't know i'm so tempted to narrate it okay uh, yeah before that let me come to that little boys incident which you had asked for uh-huh. uh, you know uh, there was this 12 boys 10 to 12 boys and there was this one boy who was very fond of swami and swami mm. used to say that it was because of his past birth this one that he had a special attachment to swami in spite of being in part of that group which was all of them were attached to swami so this boy you know would come to swami and say swami in satyam you lay on my lap you rest your head on my lap you're doing so much work you're working at home you're running around you take some rest lay on my lap and swami would say that i didn't need rest but because that boy asked with so much love i used to lie on his lap for a few moments and uh, swami said that you know after that the boy said it's surprising that i had a leg pain from the morning and the moment you lay your your head on my lap you rested your head on my lap the pain in my leg has vanished wow hmm. okay and this news spread among the other 10 or 12 boys and everybody started fighting that uh, satyam you have to place oh. your head on my lap <laughs> satyam put your head on my shoulder put on my head yeah, and you know it almost became like a game where swami said that you know every boy had a chance of about 1 minute swami <laughs> used to lay his head on the lap and then after one minute on the other boy's lap and this is one incident which swami narrates and you know it seems there was another person in that village an elderly man who had no family he had not married and uh, he used to walk with great difficulty and come and sit where the satyama temple is and mm. one day in the evening when swami was going back to his house this man accosted swami okay and he was apparently not in talking terms with swami's father with satyam's father with okay. satyam's father and mm. uh, so none of the people in the raju family used to talk to this man and little old bitter man he used to be always you know scowling and uh, an unpleasant demeanor but this person calls uh, the little satyam and says you come and sit on my lap for some time okay and he didn't know about what swami had done with his little boys and all that he was for some reason very fond of swami and he called him and he said just come and spend some time with me sit on my lap and so he comes and sits on this old man's lap 
and uh, he's again surprised because he came and sat there because he they what do you call this stiff muscle or something you know when uh, old people when they like yeah the, something like cramps and the moment Sami comes and sits after a few minutes his leg is feeling much better apparently that man says that you have no idea you are going to be the light of thousands of people's life that's what that man tells little Sami little, little Satya okay. you know it reminds me Prem here at this point that when we serve our parents for example when we press their feet it's like we are doing a service to our parents but when it comes to god even in those instances where apparently we are doing a service to him it's actually we who are benefiting see in that case of those little boys everybody wanted to you know serve little satyam by allowing him to sleep on their lap but if you see their <laughs> thing is that if he lies on your lap you're not going to have like pain you're going to have a better health you're going to they were benefited more <laughs> and actually if you see it is such a kind of inconvenience for satyam every 3 minutes shifting his head <laughs> from lap to lap to lap to lap and that continued throughout his life prem even in the recent years you know for example in a thrice session you remember how all the boys would rush to the jhula and sit around him so close and everybody wanted to press swami's feet usually pressing somebody's feet is like giving them comfort and massaging their feet but it used to almost be like a fight almost 5 to 6 pairs of hand would clench the region between swami's knee and swami's heel and keep pressing and keep pulling and some of the boys i remember would stretch from more than 1 meter back and somehow bend and somehow touch a part of swami's toe actually if we think about it there'll not be the slightest doubt that the boys were the beneficiaries and Swami was giving. It is not that the boys were giving a massage and Swami was a beneficiary. Even in getting himself served, the avatar just gives and gives and gives. It just makes me wonder at what limits of selflessness does he set. You know, even when it looks like he's getting served, he's actually serving, relentlessly serving. And I wow. think it's a perfect time to... insert this incident i'm going to tell you know i really didn't want to tell it today because i've read it in a book it's definitely authentic but i couldn't trace back that book where i read it in mm. you know there was this incident much later when after swami's mandir came up mm. there used to be one lady who used to come for darshan mm. okay she used to look like a tribal uh, woman you know very humbly dressed and she would never come inside the mandir she okay. would always sit at the gate because she used to feel that I mean there are uh, city folk here they are little well off people and i shouldn't mingle with them they might feel uncomfortable when i go in so she used to always sit at the gate of the mandir and swami would always make this it a point this is after the prashanti nilayam yeah, came up Prashant, much later i think after uh, old mandir came up this might Pata be mandir. patamandiram times so 1945 yeah, 1940s in the late 1940s but swami would always make it a point to come out and talk to this lady something or the other swami would come and address something and you know give her some money or swami would give her some clothes but swami would never ignore her she would never step into the mandir but swami would never ignore her okay and there was this one boy who was always with swami in those days who used to be uh, serving swami personally hmm. and he had noticed this happening a few times and he was very curious what is with this lady why swami is giving her so much attention because there were other people who used to come and swami was not not responding in the way swami was responding to this lady okay so one day he asked swami that swami what's so special about that lady you know why do you go and talk to her and swami with a mischievous smile said that the next time she comes you ask her hmm ask her to tell her story and uh, this man is very curious and he's waiting for this lady to come and the moment she comes after darshan he you know calls her aside and says 
why does swami always come and speak to you and you know when did you come to swami and the kind of things like that so then she goes on to tell her story okay she says that you know uh, she belongs to a kind of a tribal group a nomadic group mm. which goes from forest to forest and their only uh, livelihood is they go into the forest chop firewood and go into the nearest village and sell the firewood there and then they would go to another forest and invariably what they would do is follow the river you know any uh, river which is there from one uh, forest to the other forest following the river so she says that at one particular point when they've camped near the river she sees that a small child is being washed in the waters hmm. a little child and uh, nobody there maybe an infant maybe less than a year or just a little over in a year so she jumps into the water and rescues the child and she's wondering where the child has come from so they go into the nearby village and find out and they're not able to locate the parents of the child hmm. so she says for the next few months she carries the child around hmm. you know wherever this nomadic group is going hmm. and finally they come to a particular village where she hears the local people talking of a child who was lost okay okay who's missing and the parents are very worried and all that so she takes this child and goes into that village and she is uh, finds the parents and gives the child okay and then comes the revelation she says the child was from me oh this oh. is not recorded in any other version but you know this is there in a book i've read it and you know as i was saying there might be so many such incidents which have just got lost yeah and dear listeners though we have one or two official versions there are so many books and not so many actually there are a few books and there are so many accounts and narratives of people who came in those days and all of them have had such fantastic experiences and absolutely no reason to lie we cannot say with conviction that the history has been documented yet because we too have been on a path of discovery and as we shall see later in the satsang there are many things that appear like discrepancies but each of them you know bring out more and more of the glory of the lord for example this episode that prem narrated it's not recorded anywhere about swami being missing for a few days or a few weeks as a child and just because it is not recorded it does not mean that it did not happen we have no way to confirm we have nothing but each of these stories you know prem i i just don't care you know many times because each of these stories it just brings back to me how wonderful what a beautiful lord we have and there's a you know another story from swami's childhood which was revealed much later and in a very sweet way you know it's nothing great about the story as such this is about a family in anantapur mm. after many years when swami started traveling around and swami declared himself swami went to this particular household where the mother had lost a 16 year old child mm. okay a 16 year old son and that is when she sees swami and swami is of the same age group so you know uh, spontaneously she has that uh, motherly, motherly feeling, feeling towards, towards swami and uh, she's worshiping swami at the same time looking at swami as a mother mm. and that time you no know, swami tells her that this is not the first time you're seeing me okay okay and she's surprised and she says no swami this is the first time i'm hearing about you and this is the first time i'm seeing you swami says no you've seen me before and she's surprised and then swami goes on to say that when i was 8 years old i had come with my uh, brother or sister to anantapur and then with my friends i was playing outside your house we were making a lot of noise you came out and slapped me ha huh. <laughs> and swami says i don't remember you are that lady <laughs> you should be i don't know how whether it be pleasant or otherwise to listen to an account like this from swami but you know as i was saying that so many devotees so many people's lives swami would have, would have touched and so many might be still around we never know 
people would have, who would have seen swami in those young ages early years you know as we spoke swami became a guru for all his friends not only through his actions but also through his conduct through what he preached through what he said and through what he adhered to i think this is a perfect time to take a break and come back to discuss more about swami as a guru but before that you know just as we spoke about the kalpa vriksha you know prem something very poignant happened i don't know this is what inference that i am drawing <laughs> of course there can be many inferences but a few months after mahasamadhi a bolt of lightning struck the kalpa vriksha the tree which stands on top of the hill and next day i remember going there and shedding profuse tears prem because i thought what is this happening we had uh, heard about you know after the krishna avatar everything related to krishna just got destroyed and it was almost looking like that because you know some great devotees of the lord prabhashridharan aunty who was responsible for the whole brindavan bhajan group there you know swami had personally trained her into music then dr savitram so many um, legendary kind of people devotees they just passed away you know dr rajareddy many yes. of them dr padmanabhan and many of them passed away without even being aware that swami had physically left right what blessed souls were they and that is one side and then these things happening you know the kalpa vriksha fell and it collapsed because the lightning struck it and i remember that day i climbed up you know even thinking of that day i get tears in my eyes went up to the kalpa vriksha and thought this was a wish fulfilling tree and i cried out to the tree saying one kalpa vriksha has left us you know because swami physically has left you also have left us there was just a stump lying there you know prem and it was very 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 painful it was like when the uh, moment comes to desert everyone everything and everyone is deserting but prem few months after that i climb back the same hill mm-hmm. from that apparently dead stump mm-hmm. a beautiful strong youthful exuberant shoot had come out mm-hmm. and today that shoot has grown to almost 2 to 2 and 1/2 meters it's bearing fresh leaves and it looks so vibrant and fantastic and again people have almost started tying you know people tie their wishes to a kalpa vriksha saying that the wishes come true slowly they started tying to it now of course the authorities have taken more uh, precaution safety trying to protect it from termites and other things you know <laughs> suddenly when you realize that something is gone means it's gone but seeing that it gave me great hope because i felt the kalpa vriksha was telling that listen you told me that one kalpa vriksha left and the other kalpa vriksha has left you felt that both kalpa vrikshas have left i felt that the tree was telling me both kalpa vrikshas have not left just as i'm back here in a new avatar in a fresh young completely in a way that will thrill your heart and give you joy the kalpa vriksha that you think has left also will sprout and blossom in a manner that you never imagined and just like here you know it was again another message that till now you know people took the kalpa vriksha for granted any time you want it's there on top of the hill any time you can go and see it but after that lightning see all the precaution measures that have been taken and see the, the way all those illegal shops have been demolished and people have given so much importance in the same way too once you realize how it is you suddenly start giving importance and you realize the value and now you are able to cherish the same thing to a much greater extent 
and dear listeners anyone who visits puttaparthi definitely please take some time and visit this kalpavriksha too for it has a great history and it has this great message to give all of us i'm sure you know when we read satyam sundaram almost every rock of this land must have been touched by his foot because he you know as a child he's climbed all over this place and as we're going to come to that episode of the the pandari bhajan group yeah but <laughs> but before that we'll take a break because we've spoken for quite some time now we're going to play for you a beautiful song uh, dear listeners and the song actually was composed by shri prakash rao who's written a lot of uh, dramas and songs for swami and the first time swami heard this swami was so fascinated by the song because he he imagined as though if ishwarama was singing a song to swami yes this is a lullaby song right and uh, it was written with that mood of ishwarama rocking that little baby satyam to sleep singing out this lullaby and it says that you know we are so blessed because that same little boy of the repalle village you know in andhra the village in which krishna was born is termed as repalle right so it says that little baby of repalle has come into our village how blessed are we oh little gopala oh my little krishna go to sleep that is the lullaby song that we will be playing now it's in telugu but the tune makes it so magical and we can listen to it and enjoy it
song indeed prem dear listeners hope you enjoyed it professor kasturi you know when he refers to swami he makes a very beautiful comparison mm-hmm. you know swami is born in the clan the ratnakaram clan ratnakara is a term that is used for the ocean actually right you know, ratnakara means the ocean why the term is used is because it is the ocean that yields to us pearls and many gems the ratnas ratnas and therefore it's called ratnakara and kasturi writes about swami saying that the ratnakara had yielded the greatest ever ratna it ever could and that was little satyam because he was born of the ratnakara kula so i feel that description is so apt for swami the greatest gem 
of the Ratnakarakula. You know, that is the beauty of the Sanskrit and uh, Telugu language, which unfortunately cannot be translated exactly into English. <laughs> In Sanskrit or Telugu, it will be that Swami was the greatest Ratna of the Ratnakarakula. And a very beautiful song in the, the lyrics, you know, where thinking of it from Ishwarama's point of view, where Ishwarama is saying that, are you Krishna, are you Shiva or are you the Jagan Mohini herself? Mm. Who are you? But whatever you are, you have become the light of our lives. You have become the source of joy for all of us. That also, you know, in many bhajans, for example, uh, we have Ratnakara Kuladipa. Kuladipa, right. The light of the whole clan. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Swami's childhood as we are talking, you know, the Pandari Bhajan group, which was a very, very important episode in Swami's childhood. As, uh, you know, Swami was saying, Swami was about seven, eight years old, when those children were growing more and more fond of Swami. Hmm. Swami found that as a very important part of Swami's childhood, where he turned people to singing the glory of the Lord. You know, we talk of bhajans being one of the most important activity of the ashram. Because the other day, you know, somebody was asking me, Someone who's in a lot of stress in their uh, work. He was a quite a senior officer at his job, and he was asking that, "What does Swami say? What spiritual practice does Swami teach? Is there any kind of meditation which Swami has taught? Is there any kind of uh, you know spiritual sadhana which Swami has taught?" Mm. And you know, when he asked me that question, I looked at what Swami has told us and what the activities of the ashram are. Almost the singular activity which Swami has given so much emphasis on is bhajan singing. Right. The only thing which we do sitting there in the place where Swami sat and gave us darshan all these years is Vedam chanting and bhajan singing. And not only uh, during these specified times, Prem, I remember many times, you know, a program would conclude and after the program is over, it's almost like Swami is interacting with the members who performed and, you know, giving them chances of a lifetime. This, especially in the last 4-5 years, happened almost 10-15 to 15 days every month. Right. There would be a program and Swami would interact with them. They have finished their program, but it is not time for Aarti because Swami is interacting with all of them. Invariably, Swami would just look at the bhajan group and say, do bhajans. It was almost as if, if nothing else is happening, do bhajans. If nothing else is happening, do bhajans. It was like a message that Swami was giving for our daily life also. You are doing your work, it's okay. You are having your food, it's okay. If you come to a point in time where you are doing nothing, you know, an idle mind is a devil's workshop, do bhajans. Do bhajan. Bhajan is singing the glory of the Lord. You need not just sing it aloud. Sing it within you. But do bhajan. This was the message that Swami was giving and you know it is so inspiring. It is so wonderful to know that at such a tender age itself, He started propagating that message. Right and that's what Swami did with these little playmates of His. Hmm. You know as I said, He would wake them up early in the morning and take them to the river and make them have bath. And Swami would say some of them would be very tiny that Swami would give them bath. What, Why what was it called the Pandhari Bhajan group? Yeah, actually what happened was, you know, in one particular discourse, Swami says that it was a period in time when cholera and plague started, uh, you know, surfacing in, in that locality. A lot of people were falling for these diseases. Hmm. And everybody was scared and there was, you know, little kind of quarantine in the village. People were told not to go out, outside the villages. And people who were coming from outside the villages used to be uh, very restricted. Scrutinized. Yeah, and especially as small children, they were not allowed to go out of the house. Hmm. So, that was when Swami said that, you know, why don't we do bhajans? And to combat cholera. Right. And these little children asked, what is bhajans? <laughs> what do you mean by bhajans? And Swami said, we have to sing the glories of the Lord. We have to sing in praise of God. And uh, we will go around the streets of Puttaparthi. 
Okay, then the children said that we don't know any songs. What songs are there? Hmm. So Swami wrote some bhajans. Okay. Okay, and it is called Pandari Bhajan Group because you know it was very popular in Pandarpur. where people oh, used to lord sing vitala right lord vitala i i, I now i remember prem even to this day you know they are called the varkaris varkaris the varkaris they as part of their annual pilgrimage to pandharpur during that festival time ashadi ekadashi from wherever they are located in maharashtra you know they actually sing bhajans dancing in ecstasy of the divine name and the divine form in their minds eye and they go up to pandharpur and that kind of bhajans is known as pandhari bhajans right and i think uh, that is what swami made his friends also do uh, that is have the lord's form in the mind's eye and the lord's name on your lips sing aloud right and swami had composed so many bhajans you know in praise of krishna and they used to do small enactments like you know it slowly started growing where first they just sang then they started finding costumes for themselves swami would say i think swami had chosen a color for the whole group right exactly swami was so particular about the color that uh, it is uh, recorded that uh, swami got a dye pot you know to make a dye you have to boil that dye in water and then put the clothes right once all the children had put in their shirts and when they came out they were a saffron color you know swami had donned the saffron color at that young age of maybe hardly he was 7 or 8 i think when this started the pandari bhajan group right. so the costume for the a singer you know it was a privilege to be in the pandari bhajan group not everybody would get in because you had to follow you know some strict regulations like you have to get up early you have to wear this and then apart from the shirt a towel would be tied around the waist right and they would hold the chakka as it's called a chakka is a wooden block with some jingles right. attached It's you keep beat with that right yes rhythm and beat so the chakkas in hand a flag in the other hand anklets anklets and then a towel around the waist with a orange or saffron colored shirt right. that was the costume and uh, swami started you know gathering these people and they would go around the village singing these bhajans which swami had written did they combat cholera and swami says that it took 3 days for them to finish all the streets and okay. by then the cholera had vanished from the village and that must be the reason why the pandhari bhajan group as it suddenly became famous because puttaparthi had been spared of the cholera right. and nobody got affected they were invited to neighboring villages exactly because it was felt that if swami comes if the pandhari bhajan group comes if bhajans come diseases go actually there's another incident which happened because of which the pandhari bhajan group also became popular okay and that was when swami had written one bhajan hmm. about the avatar of narsimha Oh, Narasimha Avatar. The Narasimha Avatar, fourth Avatar of Lord Vishnu. Okay, where uh, Vishnu appears as half man and half lion. Okay, and it's supposed to be a very, very—I uh, don't know what is the word for that. It's it's born out of anger that Avatar is coming to protect Prahlada. Okay, so that righteous right ayer. Yeah, it is supposed to be an Avatar which uh, signifies temper and anger and you know that uh, the Raudra. Yeah, call it. qualities of a lion. Hmm. Okay, so at one particular point when they were performing this bhajan. It seems Swami behaved as though he was possessed by the Narasimha Avatar. Okay. As believed by the villagers. Okay. <laughs> of course, now we know it's not a question of being possessed. You know, and Swami started becoming even as a child. You know, Swami was seven or eight years old, but Swami's eyes became red. Swami's face, you know, expressed the temper in a way nobody has seen because the satyam which they knew was not this. The sweet nature. Okay. And he jumped, and the elderly villagers came and held Swami, but they couldn't control him. such was his strength. such was his strength 
and finally they had to come and break coconuts and offer aarti and then swami subsided and swami became calm and came back to his normal self and this news also spread you know and people start believing that the lord manifests when this bhajan group sings bhajans <laughs> and the lord possesses this particular boy right you know this is not the only case prem i also remember another episode which swami himself has narrated in a discourse to this hanuman temple that we have in puttaparthi it existed even then right and uh, on one occasion when all the students not the students i mean all his friends and satyam were there they decided to circumambulate the hanuman temple because that is a practice you know in the hindu temples when we go we go around the idol three times as a mark of respect right but when this was told to satyam satyam refused to go around he said no no i will not come around then they thought what is this this is very odd because here was their guru who always taught them things about god worship and and here was he refusing to do an act of worship so they forced him and satyam agreed then and then as they were just going around the temple a huge monkey popped out from nowhere and all the boys got scared because they were all little boys and the monkey was almost their size but satyam just stood calm the other boys ran away you know leaving god <laughs> leaving god i mean leaving satyam and satyam is standing there the monkey comes and just stands in satyam's way doesn't allow him to proceed a step ahead but doesn't do anything else otherwise and then swami revealed that see this is hanuman it's always the devotee who goes around the lord's temple okay and swami is the lord of hanuman he is lord rama you know he's and therefore hanuman himself had come to tell lord please please don't go around me i am supposed to go around you and that is what the monkey did it went around satyam thrice and then went back from wherever it came from so there were many episodes like this at that time it was perceived as satyam being possessed by gods <laughs> but today we know that he possessed all the gods because he is the summum bonum of all the lords and one more thing which swami did during that time was you know as we saw earlier swami had given up non vegetarian food even though he was born in a family which was eating non vegetarian food mm. and so because he had a sway over all these little children he started uh, encouraging them to give up cruelty towards animals that was something non vegetarian right, food non-vegetarian and cruelty and cruelty towards animals because you know villages of those days we know the kind of uh, competitions and entertainments which were there one was having that cock fight they used to tie a knife to the feet of a cock rooster and, and uh, they would you know pit one against the other and eventually one would die that would be the way the game ends and some used to feel very pained you know the little boy used to feel so pained about this event and he would go and tell the children that make sure that you make some havoc in your family make some noise make sure that they don't send their cocks to the fight the other was a bullock cart race right in the bullock cart race in the summer months when some used to say the chitravati used to dry up on the river bed of chitravati so they used to have that bullock cart race mm. and where they used to hold the tail of the right. bullocks twist it and even poke nails into them to make them egg them to run faster run faster so they can win and you know be crowned as the village racing champions i mean right and some you know go and tell these children do whatever you want but make sure that your parents don't send their animals for such events and you know at one discourse swami says that this kind of irritated some of the elders so they mm. come and complain to venkamaraju and ishramma saying that you know your boy is trying to act too smart mm. he's doing all this these are all traditions which have been there for so many years and he's trying to change it and all that kind of stuff you know and it seems that that one particular point ishramma calls him and says that why do you do all this mm. you know why don't you stick to 
things being of your age <laughs> being <laughs> your age you know and so he said i'm not scared and she says that you will get a bad name and so he tells what bad name are you talking when i've done what is right how can i get a bad name if i get a bad name why should i care about it because i've done what is right well i think that is a message for all of us when we are on the right path we need not worry about a bad name and in case we get a bad name apparently it's nothing to care about right we have to be true to our heart and know that we are on the right path then we just go ahead with all confidence because swami says truth has no fear untruth will shiver at every little shadow like one quotation i read long back you know say when you do the right thing those who mind do not matter and those who matter do won't mind, mind. wow <laughs> Swami also used this same sentence in one of the discourses. Okay. Oh. Yes, I remember maybe in 2002 or 2003. But you know, uh, Prem, it's not that all the children loved Satyam. As we see in our school days also, polarization of kinds happen. There are two three groups in every class, and every group centers around two three boys who happen to be like the leaders of the group. The same was the case in Puttaparthi also, and so there were some others who used to be very jealous. of satyam and his group because they were the most popular ones they were loved by everyone everyone praised them everyone spoke about them and whatever they seemed to do seemed to be a success even when they went against age old established customs like as we said cock fighting or bullock cart races the other children who were not ready to cooperate they thought that satyam was fighting a losing battle but they saw that everywhere he met with success so they were very jealous and there are records of how when whenever you know swami used to cross satyam used to cross the chitravati these boys would come and you know throw thorns into his beautiful curly locks because you know they would get stuck there and it would be painful for the boy to pull right. them out and then push him into the mud drag him in the water soil his clothes and you know what was swami's response little satyam just didn't respond he just kept a smile on the face and he did it for so long that finally those boys felt ashamed of themselves they thought how can we do such things to someone who is so sweet and he transformed their heart through sheer love and so he became a guru not only for those to whom he was dear whom he was a darling to those who were jealous of him who were irritated by him those who were angry and those who positively hated him too began to love him and consider him as a guru And this you know, is magic. About this particular episode, Swami used to say, you know, in discourses, Swami used to describe that in those days, Swami would say, "I had only one pair of clothes, one pair of uniform, or whatever you call, you know." Mm. And Swami would say that when these boys used to come and tear up those, they used to tear his shirt and all that. So, and there were no, you know, what you call that safety pin. Even that, the family wouldn't have. And Swami would say that he would go and near Satyama Temple, there used to be a cacti. You know, plant a cactus plant, huh? Okay, and he used to go to that cactus plant, pluck the thorn, and use that as a safety pin. His life is one of great personal sacrifice. And the most important thing, and it'll again come in other episodes which are to follow. You know, where Swami would say that in all these situations, Swami always made sure that his family would not be shown in poor light to other children. Correct. That was something which Swami was very particular about. And another incident Swami uh, mentions is, you know, for lunch. the mother used to pack for him what do you call sankati that ragi, ragi ball you know? ragi is a kind of cereal right it's a kind of a high in protein and right. starch it's very good for health but it is difficult to eat because it it's a little uh, tough to eat 
you know exactly. with time it's, it becomes uh, hard it's having a lot of fiber in it right and some used to say how mother sharma used to pack you know the a ball of uh, sankati she used to make a hole in that and pour some chutney into it and it used to be tied in a cloth okay and swami would say by the time the lunch bell would ring that would become really hard so swami would say i have to go and dip it with the cloth in the river okay mm. and then eat it okay and swami would go away from the rest of the crowd and eat there so that people don't know that his family is packing that for lunch there was something which always you know even when i used to hear it from swami it used to stand out swami would always say that your family honor is so important mm. whatever difficulties whatever hardships are there you have to go through it silently not with, parade it in right, public without anybody else knowing what you're going through and at home you know we know that academically he was so uh, brilliant brilliant and he showed his compassionate heart even in the elementary school in puttaparthi you know the teacher there had a very peculiar habit apparently he would have a kind of cut off number say first 15 after that whoever would come into the class irrespective of the time would get a beating from <laughs> with the cane you know so a person who comes third after that gets three lashes a person who comes fourth will get four lashes right and in order to avoid this beating all the little boys of the village would arrive very early to the school so that as the teacher comes and opens the door itself they are all there it would be difficult to find out who's first who is first who's last <laughs> so this was the strategy they used but since they used to arrive early in the morning they would be feeling very cold shivering in the cold at that time you know satya always always concerned about others he would raid the family kitchen <laughs> and get things for these boys to eat in the morning he would even get off the clothes and it is said that you know the mother and father would lock the store the clothes store so that uh, they he doesn't give away because they were not a well to do family and his ideal behavior didn't stop at school it continued at home also in fact he would always you know be of the helpful nature he would wash clothes at home he would do the dishes he would do sweeping he would do mopping and so much that people often felt that he was like the daughter of the house <laughs> you know and uh, if we read that book called love is my form that's a comprehensive treatise if i can say so on swami's early life mr padmanabhan who compiled that book is today dr padmanabhan because of that book you know he has been given honorary doctorate oh, okay that is the kind of effort that has gone in compiling that magnificent book and i feel after satyam shyam sundaram satyam shyam sundaram was the first and done in 1960 this kind of comprehensive collection of photographs data it's a huge book more than 1000 pages but magnificent and i have read through that that's why i'm saying in that book it is recorded that they used to call satyam as adamari satyakka <laughs> means uh, satyakka means uh, satya the sister the satya the sister who is like a girl they used to call him that way because he used to help in everything at home but it is not only at home he would also help his father in his little shop right. he would be an expert at bargaining and you know getting the best rates and mm. therefore the father thought that this son of mine is going to be a great successor for me uh, the mother felt that he's going to be a great help right. the father had a very small shop i think till much later even after prashanthilam came up swami would say that his father had a shop in, in the village exactly so that kind of relationship he shared where the mother felt that i'm so lucky to have this son the father felt that i'm so lucky to have this son the siblings felt that i don't know if they actually felt at that time but they were indeed lucky to have such a sibling who would be always sacrificing for their sake 
and what to say of the grandfather he too felt that he was so blessed to have satyam as a grandson and i think uh, swami had a very very intimate and beautiful relationship with his grandfather and you could see that with with the fondness with which swami used to narrate about his grandfather and literally swami used to speak as though he was his first devotee exactly prem and if we see the things that kondamaraju did we realize that kondamaraju was specially blessed maybe he was the first to get to know that satyam is not just an ordinary boy but a divine incarnation and therefore i think he deserves the title definitely of being the first devotee of swami but at this point i think we'll take a break we'll play that immortal ever fresh song sung by kavita krishnamurthy which says how glorious good fortune is that of ishwaramma because she got the chance to mother the divine child and before we conclude today's satsang after the song we'll come back with the beautiful relationship that existed between kondamaraju and little satya bhakti bhakt bhagavant guru चतुष्णाम बपुन के पदवंदन किए मेटत विघ्न
welcome back dear listeners yes as we were discussing the grandfather kondama raju was the foremost among the devotees of bhagwan shri satya sai baba you know as early as when satyam was a 3 or 4 year old boy kondama raju walked up to his daughter in law that is mother ishwaramma and he offered prostrations to her she was shocked you know how will a daughter in law feel if her father in law is prostrating to her and when that shock was expressed on her face he told her that you think you are an ordinary woman you do not know you are very special the lord has taken birth in your womb this is what he told ishwaramma and as we had discussed earlier it was kondama raju who named her as ishwaramma, ishwaramma. because she is the amma for ishwara the mother for the lord we've had discussions of choosing god and why we should choose god and i think one of the first persons to choose swami was also kondama raju because a very interesting incident happened as you know we spoke about uh, last week it was a huge family in the mm. raju household where mm. the the grandmother and grandfather kondama raju and his wife lakshmanamma i think mm. and Correct. he had two sons pedavenkam raju and chinnavenkam raju and a daughter who was also staying in the same house so it was a huge family and the daughter had her own children and the other two brothers had the children a huge family children alone were about 15 20 of them okay and then as it happens in many families there was a little bit of a, a squabble where because of which they had to separate they had to live in separate houses mm-hmm. and it was also the time when i think uh, kondama raju lost his wife correct okay so they decided that each of these families would split and they came up with a plan that the father kondama raju could stay in each of these houses for a period of 6 months okay and rotate amongst the the children Mm-hmm. so he would spend 6 months in the, the son's house and the next son's house and the daughter's house but you know kondamaraju was not happy with this arrangement he said no i want to live separately one more reason was kondamaraju also was a vegetarian okay, okay. because he didn't want to eat from the same kitchen where non-vegetarian non-vegetarian food was being prepared mm-hmm. so he said no i would stay separately and he said you can take all the property he divided the property among his children he said just give me one property mm-hmm. give me satyam He said, "I don't want anything else. I'll stay separately. You just give Satyam to me." And with that, he got everything else. Right. And what a message that is, no Prem. Choose God, choose Satyam, and you'll get everything in life. And as I said, yeah, the, he was one of the first person to choose Swami. Mm. And at that tender age, this, as Kasturi puts it, the great grandfather and the great grandson. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> start living together. And. beautiful things happened one of the incidents which swami narrated in a discourse was you know when swami was sleeping once mm-hmm. kundamaraju starts hearing the sound of omkaram where where in that room where swami was sleeping and even okay. kundamaraju was also in the same room okay so he looks around and finally realizes that the sound is actually coming from swami's breath it's emanating from satyam swami's huh. you know the little boy satyam was lying there swami's breath that was one of the experiences which he has and so many and swami used to narrate how that schedule swami had you know swami would uh, cook food for his grandfather right. and uh, i remember in the discourse swami saying uh, immediately after saying that i used to cook for my grandfather immediately swami said i was a very good cook and uh, kondamaraju would love what i would cook right and more importantly most importantly in fact for kondamaraju was the fact that satyam was also an absolute vegetarian right and so he was sure that whatever is being cooked in the kitchen is pure vegetarian food and he was so touched 
with the service that Satyam was doing, you know, where do we see a grandchild staying with the grandparent, taking care? It's a day and age today where many times, you know, we come across parents who lie neglected. Grandparents, they are absolutely neglected. <laughs> In such a scenario, little Satyam taught such such a powerful message that we already spoke about maintaining family honor and here was he standing up for his grandfather and serving him till the end of his days. Another thing which happened, you know, again, Swami was cooking Sankati most of the time, that ragi uh, meal. Mm. And what Swami would do is, early in the morning, Swami used to wake up and get ready and, you know, cook for his grandfather, then go to school. Mm. And during the lunch hour, Swami used to come running back all the way home to serve food for his grandfather and also eat himself Mm. and then run back. Swami would say he would jog all the way back and Mm. forth. And at one point, you know, Kondam Raju says that, why do you come back just for serving me? Why didn't you pack your food and take it? Mm. And I'll serve myself. I'll have my lunch. And the same thing, you know, Swami was eating Sankati when all the other children were eating rice. Mm. Swami did not want them to know that he was coming from a, from a family which was a little underprivileged. Mm. So Swami said, no, it, it even though it is a little bit of effort for me to run and come, this way I, I can save my family's honor. So Swami would do that. Wow. And you know, every little incident... Swami was actually teaching very, very profound lessons for all of us. And I think the most uh, conclusive statement that shows that Kondamaraju was less of a grandfather and more of a devotee is when he told Satya, one day as Satya was, you know, massaging his feet, he calls little Satyam and holds his hand and says, little Satyam, please, you know, consider these as your feet. It is often said, you know, in tradition that an elder should never fall at the feet of a younger person because a younger person gets great sin because of that, great demerit. So, Kondamaraju here did not, you know, want in any way to be cause for any kind of bad thing for little Satyam. So, he held his hand and he said, Satyam, please consider these as your feet and this is my prayer. Promise me that when I die, you will come and pour water into my mouth. It is believed that If the Lord pours water into the mouth, you will not have any more births. And this was a privilege if we see the different avatars, very few enjoyed. In fact, in the Rama avatar, Rama's own father, Dasharatha, did not get this chance of being fed with water through Lord Rama's hands, which the bird Jatayu got. So this is an honor, a privilege that is reserved for a very rare few. And Kondama Raju, the great grandfather, <laughs> I mean, in the pun intended. Great by virtue you know? of his values and of his true greatness. And you know, if you look at Swami's family, I think uh, Kundam Raju was one of those few people in Swami's family who had the ability to break past that relationship. Because as we would see later, be it Swami's parents, be it Swami's elder brothers, sisters, for a long time they were not able to see beyond that relationship which they had with Swami. As a brother or as a son. Right. Mm. But here, Kundamaraju was one of those people who managed to do that. Who could, you know, even in spite of being in that, showering that grandfather love on his grandson, he knew what, you know, he was dealing with, if we could put it that way. Mm. And another interesting thing which Swami used to say is, even when Swami was staying in that grandfather's house, people started flocking to Kundamaraju's house mm. to see Swami. And, you know, it was a very weird thing because here was a maybe six or seven year old boy and people are coming from, and just to see this little Satyam. And they would say, no, no, I had some ailment. And this boy came in my dream and removed that ailment from me. 
Oh, wow. you know, incidents such as these started happening. And the other thing was that famous rasam which Swami used to tell, you know. <laughs> the pepper rasam. The pepper rasam. Swami would say that he was an expert at it. And the moment Swami makes that rasam, the aroma used to draw people from the neighborhood. And everybody would come with their vessel and they'd say, you know, I'm having cold, I'm having cough, I'm having fever. And Swami would make for all of them. And uh, Swami was beginning to become popular. Actually, that was the time when Sesha Maharaju, Swami's elder brother, felt that, you know, he is getting drawn from his studies. Oh. He is getting distracted and he said, I will take him to Kamlapuram. Prem, I am also getting very distracted. Your description of the rasam, you know, is making me <laughs> salivate, feel hungry. Dear listeners, it's time for uh, the afternoon satsang to conclude. As always, it has been a great privilege and a pleasure to be part of this satsang. And it is with great gratitude and humility that we offer this at the lotus feet of our dear Sai. And please do write to us all that you wish to share so that we can make it part of the satsang for it is a part of our satsang and as always you can write to listener at radiosai.org For the next Satyam Shamsundram we will be travelling to Kamlapuram with Swami and seeing all of the beautiful incidents happen because Kamlapuram was a very very special episode in Swami's life a lot of things Swami did and maybe a few incidents which he might have left out if we have uh, overlooked them, we will try to cover them also. Yeah, it's not that lo- Swami did a lot of things in Kamlapuram. It is just that he was kind enough to allow them to get recorded. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, dear listeners, thank you for your company. Sairam, you just heard an episode of our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was Satyam Shivam Sundaram The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on April 4th, 2013 We hope you enjoyed it Your comments and suggestions are very important to us Please mail them to listener at radiosai.org Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.